Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 17 of Words with Writers podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Canadian Authors Association's Toronto branch. We are a membership-based organization for writers in all levels, areas, and genres of the writing profession. We are your hosts, Chris Gorman and, and Brandy Tanner. We have a special treat for our beloved listeners today. This is our second annual Words with Writers Halloween Spooktacular. <laughs> our Halloween episode was so popular last year that we just knew we had to make it an annual tradition. After we tell you about some writerly events and contests, you can kick back and indulge the eerie season with four hair-raising readings from Canadian authors members. And as always, we'll finish the show with our member news segment, where we take a moment to acknowledge the amazing things our writers are accomplishing right now. I'm so excited for this episode, Chris. Me too, Brandy. And that it's our second annual. That sounds so fun to say. I know we have annual things now. It's very cool. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. But yeah, this is going to be so much fun. So let's make this uh, prelude quick and then we'll launch right into our spine chilling tales that our members have for us today. Some of you out there listening may have had the chance to join us on Thursday, October 28th for CAA Toronto's online event, Book Marketing 101 with the Idea Shop, where Chris Houston, the marketing guru of the Idea Shop, with over 20 years experience in the publishing industry, shared his tips for marketing novices and stories about his best marketing campaigns. Chris explained some ins and outs of book marketing and why it's important to let the world know that you have a unique book that they need to discover. Yeah, it was an informative and entertaining evening, and a big thanks goes to Chris Houston for providing us with his expertise. Our next event, which will again be held virtually through Zoom, is on Thursday, November 25th. It will be part annual general meeting from 7 to 7.30, and part National Novel Writing Month write-in from 7.30 to 9.30. The AGM portion of the evening will include a brief review of the Toronto branch's activities over the past year, a financial report, and an election of the Executive Committee for 2022. Canadian Authors Association Toronto members are encouraged to attend to help us make quorum. The National Novel Writing Month or NaNoWriMo, write-in, will be hosted by Chris and myself, plus Canadian Authors Toronto co-president J.F. Garrard. Each year on November 1st, hundreds of thousands of people around the world begin to write, determined to end the month with 50,000 words of a brand new novel. The NaNoWriMo site offers word counters, digital badges of encouragement, sponsored discounts, and community forums. Everyone in the Canadian Authors Association is invited to spend two hours dedicated to writing, even if you're not participating in NaNoWriMo. The purpose of this event is to either kickstart writing projects or to continue them. It is an informal evening designed to help us feed off each other's creative energies, and you are free to come and go for breaks as needed. We will be releasing the event details soon, complete with instructions on how to RSVP at canadianauthors.org slash Toronto 
slash events. We held a NaNoWriMo write-in last year, and it was a great way to get some writing done while spending time with like-minded people. So, Brandy, um, that about covers the event segment of the show, and now it's time to tell our listeners about some contest opportunities. First up, submissions for Room Magazine's 2021 Short Forms Contest are due by November 15th and is open to women, cisgender or transgender, transgender men, two-spirit, and non-binary people. Each entry can consist of one or two prose poems, flash fictions, or flash creative nonfiction works of up to 500 words. The entry fee is $35 for Canadian entries, plus $7 for each additional entry for the chance to win two first prizes of $500 or an honorable mention prize of $50. All prizes include publication on Rim's website. Oh, that's great. Another magazine, Prairie Fire Magazine, also has some contests coming up, all with the deadline of November 30th. The entry fee for each competition, the Prairie Fire Banff Center Bliss Kerman Poetry Award, the Short Fiction Contest, and the Creative Nonfiction Contest are $32 per submission. The prize for each is a first prize of $1,250, a one-week residency in the Layton Artist Studios at Banff Center, and a replica of Poet Bliss Kerman's Silver and Turquoise Ring. There is also a second prize of $500 and a third prize of $250. You can see more details of these contests and many more on the contests and competitions page at canadianauthors.org. Thanks, Brandy. All right, so that wraps up the events and contests. And now it's time for our members to read their eerie works. Settle in, grab your witch's brew, and prepare to be spooked. Ooh. I can't help myself. <laughs> We are so happy to welcome to the show award-winning writer Suzanne Craig Wytock. Suzanne found her love of literature and writing at an early age. Her passion for the written word continued into adulthood, leading her to earn an honors Bachelor of Arts degree in English language and literature. She has worked in education most of her life and was a high school English teacher in Ontario, Canada for over 20 years. She has authored three previous novels, Smile in 2017, The Dome in 2019, and this year, The Seventh Devil, all published by Bookland Press. She also has the short story collection, Feasting Upon the Bones, also out this year, published by Potter's Grove Press. Suzanne has had numerous pieces of short fiction and poetry appear in international literary journals. She regularly publishes humorous essays focused on life's absurdities, current events, and popular culture on her own website. Thank you for being here, Suzanne. Well, thank you very much for having me. 
I'm very excited to be reading um, an excerpt from one of the chapters from my latest novel, um, The Seventh Devil. It's a chapter in which we find out a little bit more about the main character, Verity Darkwood. So I'll begin reading now. This chapter is called Harmony. Yes, 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 no. What are you going on about now, Verity? Some of the houses are good and some of them are bad. Stop talking nonsense. The houses, I always knew. We would be out driving and sometimes I had to look away because after a string of yes houses, buildings that were perfectly normal and kind, there would be a no, a house that breathed danger or evil, a house where something bad had happened or might yet happen. I thought everyone was able to see it and couldn't understand why anyone would want to live in one of the bad houses. But as I got older, I realized it was just me. I tried to explain it to my mother, but she wouldn't hear it. And for a long time, I have believed she was right, that it was childish nonsense and that there was something wrong with me until I was 14. And we were taking what dad liked to call the scenic route on a summer trip to visit relatives in Leamington. We drove through a small town called Merlin. And as we passed a house on the main street, I felt something reach out for me, something dark trying to suck me in. I gasped, pressed myself hard into the upholstery of the Ford's back seat and squeezed my eyes shut tight. Harmony, who was about six at the time, reached over and poked me. What's wrong, Vivi? That's what she always called me. When she was first learning to talk, she couldn't say Verity. I didn't mind. She was the only person who called me Vivi, and it made me feel special in her eyes. I don't like that house. It's one of the bad ones, I whispered back. Harmony swiveled in her booster seat to look out the back window. I don't see it. We're past it now, I answered, relaxing a little. Then my mother jerked her head around. She had that look, the one that let me know how much she really didn't like me. Jesus, Verity, what the hell is wrong with you? Stop scaring your sister. We've talked about this before. You're too old for that bullshit. Michael, pull the car over. My father, who said very little under normal circumstances, did what he always did. He obeyed immediately without a word. The car slid over to the curb and my mother jumped out. She yanked open the back door and demanded, get out of the car. We're going to finish this once and for all. We're going to knock on the door, go in, and then you'll see how ridiculous you are. No, I, I started to say, but she interrupted me. Get out of the damn car. She grabbed my arm and started pulling while I struggled to pop my seatbelt. My mother was a big woman, much taller than me when I was 14, with strong hands and a very moody nature. I knew there was no point in arguing with her when she was having one of her meltdowns. Harmony's eyes were rolling up with tears. She really did look scared now. It's okay, I whispered. I'll be right back. My father, as usual, said nothing. Which house is it that you're so afraid of? Point to it, my mother ordered. I did, reluctantly, and she proceeded to drag me by the arm down the street until we were standing in front of it. It was a plain house, brick, with windows like dead eyes. I stiffened, and she was just about to start up again when we heard a voice call out from behind us. Can I help you with something? An elderly man stood on the curb across the street. He was about 75 years old, white hair, carrying a cane. He walked towards us, leaning on the cane and limping slightly. No, my mother answered brusquely. We're fine. Well, if you want to take a picture, you better hurry up. The owners don't like looky-loos hanging around. I wasn't really paying attention, more concerned with the sharp mouth of the metal screen door. But my mother stared at him hard. What are you talking about? Why would we want a picture? Oh, Sorry, he said, gesturing at the house with his cane. I thought maybe you were part of the fan club, you know, for the chambermaid murders. Can't believe after all this time, people still want to see the house where it happened. My mother blanched and loosened her grip on my arm. 
I wasn't really paying too much attention. I was fixated by the way the house seemed to breathe out foul air that spoke of terrible spaces inside, of harsh light, bare mattresses, chains, garbage, and death. My mother's voice finally broke through. Verity, I said, come on. And it shook me out of the nightmare. I looked at the old man blankly. Suddenly he grinned and his face changed from kindly to fiendish. He stabbed her and then beat her to death, he whispered. His voice sounded thick and wet like he was gargling blood and his eyes flashed yellow. Why don't you go in and see? I stifled the scream that was building in my throat and turned to watch my mother who was storming down the sidewalk towards the car. When I looked at the old man again, he seemed bewildered but normal. You, you have a nice day, he said, his voice shaking a little. Then he turned and limped back across the street. I walked to the car quickly, got in and buckled my seatbelt, not saying a word to anyone. My mother just stared straight ahead and silence as well. Dad sighed, a put-upon sound that hurt me more than he could ever know. Harmony reached out her tiny hand and placed it on top of mine. I smiled at her weakly and she smiled back, a little gap-toothed smile that I still dream about. That fall, she disappeared. No. <laughs> I know, that last line, oh my gosh, does it ever get you? <laughs> Thank you. Um, I do have my own website at educationalmentorship.com. Um, that's my blog where I mostly post humor essays once a week. You can find me on Twitter at S. Craig Wittick. And um, I'm on Facebook, Suzanne Craig Wittick, author. And I think I'm on Goodreads. You can find me on Goodreads as well. Awesome. Also, I have to say, I, I love the cover of your book. It looks so spooky. <laughs> it is very spooky. I know my, my uh, publisher showed that to me and I was like, it's Perfect. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> those yellow eyes it's exactly what i envisioned yeah yeah awesome well awesome. thank you so much suzanne for coming on the show today oh my pleasure thank Brilliant. you so much for having me i really appreciate the chance to uh, like i said before share my spookiness <laughs> absolutely <laughs> the perfect episode for it exactly yep. Our next guest today is June Rogers. June is a short story writer in Toronto who has been published in Canada's magazines, newspapers, and literary journals. She currently is a member at large for the Executive Committee of the Canadian Authors Association's Toronto branch. As a kid, she never really liked spooky stories, and she certainly didn't like trick-or-treating in the dark. One fateful Halloween, she encountered a scary entity that forced her to overcome one of her biggest fears. This is a fictional account of that night. Welcome to the show, June, and can't wait to hear you read. The Beast Next Door. The minute I walk out of the house, I have to hold the sheet tight around my neck so it doesn't fly off. I struggle to keep the eye holes straight so I can see where I'm going. Let's start with the big homes this time, Susan says. We're sure to fill up our bags fast and with chocolate bars too. We traipse by all the small wooden houses in our neighborhood with glowing jack-o'-lanterns on the front porches. Skeletons and ballerinas run up and down the lawns between the live oak trees, squealing and checking out their loot. Trick-or-treats echo in the crisp fall air. 
As we trudge up the hill where all the mansions are, Susan is having a tough time walking in her floppy shoes. Nancy is already complaining that her red cape is rubbing her neck raw. I have to pull on my baby brother's hand to keep up. It doesn't help that his eye patch keeps falling off or that his hook catches on his billowy black pants. The first mansion belongs to Mr. and Mrs. Bainbridge. Its stone walls with narrow windows remind me of a castle. The Bainbridges go to our church, but they don't have any kids. He's a big shot banker and his wife runs the Texas Longhorn Women's Club. Our mom has never been asked to join. The oak door has got this giant gargoyle knocker that stares down at us. We all chime in, trick or treat. The door creaks open. Well, hello children, Mrs. Bainbridge says. What delightful costumes. Oh, I see a little red riding hood and a funny looking clown, a Jolly Roger pirate and uh, well, um, a ghost. Open your bags, my dears, and I'll give you some treats. I watch as Mrs. Bainbridge's large hand shovels candy corn pieces out of a crystal bowl and drops them into our bags. No chocolate bars. Watch for cars, children, Mrs. Bainbridge says. Oh, and you should be aware that the Turners next door just got a new chow chow. A dog? Ugh, I hate them. They just bark and jump and slobber all over you. They bite too. I've got a scar on my lip to prove it. Hey, I say, why don't we skip the Turner's house? Are you kidding? They've got the best stuff, Nancy says. Last year, Mary got two chocolate bars and a candy apple. What's the matter, Susan asks. You afraid of dogs? No, I'm not afraid of dogs, I say. Let's go. As we make our way around the circular driveway, I spot the dog. It has a ring of fur around its neck like a lion's mane and a square head as big as a bear's. It starts growling. When we get closer, it barks loud and fast, straining at its rope. My heart pumps like a locomotive. My brother is whimpering. Susan and Nancy skirt the dog, so we follow them. When we're only about five feet away from the front door, the rope snaps and the dog runs at us. Susan and Nancy scream and my brother lets go of my hand and hightails it down the driveway. I freeze. But then I remember what my mom told me when I got bit on the lip. Whatever you do, Gail, don't run from a dog. Just turn your back on it. So that's what I do, pulling the ghost sheet tight around my body. It stops in its tracks and barks like crazy. I can feel its hot breath on my legs. I close my eyes and pray, dear God, please make your creature go away. Thankfully, Mr. Turner hears all the commotion and flies out of his front door. Con, stop barking and grabs it by the collar. I'm so sorry, he says. We don't know much about dogs. It was a mistake to have Khan out here, especially on Halloween night. Let me put him in the backyard and I'll get you some candy, okay? 
Okay, Mr. Turner, I say. I see Susan, Nancy, and my brother peeking out from behind a holly bush. I wave at them to join me. When Mr. Turner comes back, sure enough, he has a plate full of candy apples and a bowl of chocolate bars too. Thanks, Mr. Turner, we all say. We walk back to the street, happy about our yummy new treats. Gosh, Gail, you really aren't afraid of dogs, Susan says. I could never have done what you did. Well, I say, it helps when you're a scary ghost. That was great. Thank you, June. That was a really good story. And I like that she, she slash you overcame <laughs> your fears on Halloween night, which is a night about fears, right? So that's awesome. <laughs> There's just something about giant knockers on doors that <laughs> That's a special kind of eerie. Mm -hmm. Well, certainly um, a gargoyle. I hate gargoyles. They are so spooky looking. They are. <laughs> I have to agree. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you That's so much for being on the show, June. You're welcome, Brandy. <laughs> Next up is Pamela Yuen, a poet descended from Hong Kong migrants. She is the winner of the 2021 Brooklyn Poetry Society contest, and her work has appeared or is forthcoming in Augur, Brickyard, The Fiddlehead, and Savant Garde. She serves on the executive committee of the Canadian Authors Association Toronto branch. Visit her on Twitter at P-E-A-M-E-A-L-A. -E -A -A. Welcome to the show, Pamela. Thanks so much, Brandy. I'm happy to be here. Okay, uh, so I'm a poet. I'm gonna read a, a poem. It's called The Story, um, and it's a prosy little piece, and it's, it's spooky for this season. Okay. The Story. Pedestrians struck and killed on the Don Valley Parkway, Toronto. A woman has died after being hit by a vehicle on Wednesday evening. Paramedics were called to the southbound Don Valley Parkway near Bloor Street, where the victim was pronounced dead on the scene. Police are withholding the name of the deceased until next of kin have been notified. At the time of publication, authorities are declining to provide further details, or at least the ones of particular interest. For instance, we do not know the dreams of the victim's teeth. Police have not released a map to her sprawling venous system. There have been no comments on the quality, luminosity, or density of bone marrow. The press have no details as to why the victim was found in the middle of a six-lane highway. But I saw her, just before, hinging from the railings like a sodden used rag. She's clad against the winter non rain-spun furs, calico coat drawn ziplock lock tight, pulsing a dampened amber like a street light tucked inside a hollow chest. Her backside twitches, a mouth sprouts whiskers. Police won't say it, but in a moment, the drivers below with their listless children and shotgun companions will be lifted from their sleep-drenched radio reveries and unextraordinary conversations. In a moment, 
a large as woman lemming will come crashing down the sky and through a moving windshield. Police will never say so, but the story will come flying down through conch ears pressed to tin cans strung from windows through the city, lit up like a streetlight, furs in black, orange, and white. I swear it was a lemming, a large as woman lemming. Awesome, a spooky poem. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Mm. And lemmings. Interesting. Falling from the sky. <laughs> As That's lemmings true. are wont to do. Yes. <laughs> well, at Halloween, anything can happen. <laughs> oh, so true. Okay. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Pamela. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Brandy. Thank you. Our next guest this evening is Tanya Liburd. Tanya shares a birthday with Simeon Daniel and Ray Bradbury which may tell you a little something about her. She is a 2017 and 2018 Risling nominee and has been long listed in the 2015 Carter v. Cooper Vanderbilt Exile Short Fiction Competition. Her fiction is used in the Nissy Shawls workshops and in Tanarive Du's Black Horror Course at UCLA, the latter of which featured Jordan Peele as a guest lecturer to demonstrate code switching. She is also an editor at The Expanse magazine. You can find her blogging at www.tanya.ca or on Twitter at some silly wowser. Or you can join her Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Tanya Liburd. Tanya, looking forward to hearing what you have to read this month. Oh, it's going to be a good one. I've gotten some buzz when it came out in January. Um, and so I decided to, you know, it, it's very suitable for Halloween. Um, it's uh, based off of a, uh, a section of my upcoming novel that I'm working on. And it's uh, based off of a folklore creature from the Caribbean called Sukuyan, which is our version of a vampire. Um, she comes out at night, as you'll hear, in a ball of fire, looks for blood, tends to be an old woman in, in traditional folklore, but I've did a, bit of, a little bit of a twist here. Um, so here we go. Uh, 10 steps to a whole new you. Number one, be unaware that the wolf was presenting itself to you in sheep's clothing. It began, as most things do, simply enough, in a simple neighborhood on the edge of a town, too urban to be rural, too rural to be urban. Women grew old. Some women aged with the children, grandchildren, family around them. Some grew old alone, isolated, bitter. Others might grow old and die sick, in pain. And there was you. You was the woman who managed to live on Shiori 
but who were not quite there, harmless, the madman on the street. It was ordinary life you live. A couple of men, you work jobs until your illness start up. You wouldn't be able to live by yourself sometime, but right now, you try to enjoy your life and not embarrass the neighbors. Down at the end of the street was this new neighbor, Francine. One who keeps herself ever since her husband born and dead almost half a year ago. No one knew how he died. She ain't saying. The both of you had evening get-togethers. You and your eight your hips and your car walk how you used to, but she walking sprite sprite. That's how she starts the trickery on you. Number two, allow yourself to be seduced. One evening, when fancying was over, you're busy trying to crochet a doll you. You used to enjoy it before, but now you're having trouble focusing. She started by acting as if she's talking about she old folklore studies. She tell you she studies some liberal arts at UE, but the folklore that interests she the most is the one about the Soubillon. She called to you. If the superior draw out too much blood from her victim, it is believed that the victim will die and become a superior herself, or else perish entirely, leaving her killer to assume her skin. She asks you if you believe in the supernatural. They say you ain't know. The older one gets, the more one know. And the questions start coming to mind. She say if the supernatural is real, that others can, things can be true, you know? You say like, what, I'm she? She say like, cures for diseases, and, you say, and? She say, imagine if there were ways to fix what ails you. What would you do if you were able to fix your mind? You pretending to have a thicker skin than you do right then. Say, say to she, cool and calm, it would be nice. You ask she, she if she would have kids. If eyes were the windows to the soul, the skin she owned. He, longing, and something else, deeper, curious. You should have taken it as a warning. But even in your best days, your mind not completely sound. And the clearest sight is hindsight. It have only so much you get from them honey told eyes. Number three, don't resist the carrot that's dangled enticingly before you. The next time she say, the next time she see you, she say to you, as a lease, I have something to tell you. What you say? She says she is superior. What you say? Then you laugh. No. Good one, friends. She fingers start to glow. And she burn a circle into the wood at the edge of the arm of the chair. All the hairs all over you stood on edge, boy. You find yourself standing up. She calm, calm. All she do is tilt she head, gesture with she other hand, and say to you, don't worry. Come on. Take a seat. She say how she mean to help you. 
how the discussion earlier had the other day could be as true for you as it was already for her. She say how she ain't have no aching joints and she mind clear, clear. So she say how earlier could talk more, but it have to be at her place or the old folk girls have it wrong. You still in shock. You think, you say, okay, sure. She get up to go and say, Ollie will talk tomorrow. She say, see you tomorrow, as a least. From the gate, you should have run then. But your poor brain not only still processing what it just seen, it was also buzzing with possibilities. And that's where I'm going to end. It's at fantasymagazine.com. The whole thing. Awesome. That, uh, that was amazing. <laughs> oh, that was so cool. Thank you so much, Tanya. If, they, if our listeners want to read the rest of it, we can go to fantasymagazine.com and. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks Thank a lot, so Tanya. No problem. Have a good evening. You, you too. too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, weren't those terrific readings, Chris? I love our October spooktacular special. It's probably my favorite episode. Me too. I shouldn't have favorites. I know, I know. But you know, I love Halloween. I can't help it. <laughs> everyone loves a good horror story. Well, maybe not everyone, actually. A lot of people don't, but I do. <laughs> Fair enough. We love Halloween and we hope our listeners uh, this month also loved the spooky stories tonight. Right. I also, I have one quick spooky story that I have to tell you because yeah. it happened um, last night, actually. So we have a house guest uh, this for two weeks and uh, visiting from the States. So we're sitting in the living room and um, I think you know our place, right? It's got the sliding glass doors and leads out to the, the, to the forest, right? And it's very yes, dark it's at night. Very eerie setting, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we are watching a movie called The Host, which is um, came out, I think, this year, maybe last. I think it was this year. Um, and it's about a seance via Zoom um, set, <laughs> set during the quarantine. Um, and it's quite, quite spooky, actually. So there's a part where the person leading the seance says, knock once if you're this to the spirit, right? And uh, and knock twice if you're this. And then the, the movie goes silent. And there's and then there's knock, knock, knock. And I'm sitting on the couch and I like, I look at, and I'm like, I, I think that sounded really real. <laughs> and I, is, was that our door? Uh, which is right behind the TV. And uh, he's like, I, I think so. <laughs> and our guest is sitting there, able to see outside. And you can see his face go pale, right? Because on the other side of the door, you can just see this. We had an outdoor light on that was slightly blue. Mm -hmm. And so you can see this face pressed up against the door. It's cast in like this blue halo. And... <laughs> 
he muffled a swear word that I can't say on the air. <laughs> and then <laughs> because it was impeccable timing, but it turned out to be my mother visiting at 8.45 p.m. in the dark without oh so gosh. much of a message, <laughs> which she never does. And she just happened to knock at exactly the right time. <laughs> To oh, absolutely so terrify all of us. Oh, moms, they're the best. <laughs> she knew, like she has a sixth sense. She knew now's the time to scare the pants right off these guys. <laughs> absolutely. Couldn't have timed it better if she tried. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> okay, well, lovely listeners, before we head out, we do have some news from our members. Uh, one of today's guests, Suzanne Craig Wytock, has had a busy summer. Her debut short story collection, Feasting Upon the Bones, was released in July by Potter's Grove Press. And her third novel, the supernatural thriller The Seventh Devil, published by Bookland Press, was just launched on September 12th. Wonderful news, Suzanne, making um, great use of her recent retirement, I'd say. Absolutely. And good use of her inherent spookiness, as she would say. <laughs> yeah. Um, another member, Christopher Caniff, is pleased to announce the publication of his latest novel, Intervals of Hope, through Blue Denim Press. Nicholas Dixon lives with his mother and brother in London, England, between the World Wars. His father works in the mines of South Leeds. Armed with his father's wartime journal, a spirited imagination, and a taste for insurgency, Nicholas embarks on a quest to reunite the family. See bluedenimpress.com slash books slash intervals of hope and christophercaniff.com for full details. In more publication news, Joanne Catania is happy to announce that her debut woman's fiction novel, A Scarcity of Virgins, published by Iguana Books, will be released October 15th. The novel touches on many relevant women's issues, including love, marriage, family, fidelity, sexuality, and self-fulfillment. To learn more, please visit www.joannecatania.com. Wow, big congrats to Christopher and Joanne, as well as to Rosanna Badigelli, whose fifth book for Harlequin was released in July 2021. Rosanna was at Science North on September 30th for National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, and profits from the sales of her books will go to Legacy of Hope Foundation. That's awesome. Uh, Rosanna will also be a featured author in a panel at the Wordstock Sudbury Literary Festival from November 4th to 6th, discussing her recently released collection, Pigeon Soup and Other Stories. So awesome, Rosanna. Some of our guests, we just, we not even guests, some of our members we speak about so often that I almost feel like I know them. <laughs> I know it's like they're on the show when they're not even on the show because they're doing such great things. We have to talk about them all the time. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> and now it's time to close the show. Come back next month for fascinating guests and brand new content from Words with Writers podcast. Happy Halloween.
Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye.